What's going on, Trophy Kids? It's a good one. It's a short one, but it's a good one. It's a college episode. We're going to do the NFL one tomorrow, so make sure you're checking that out. It's a little Saturday action, uh, but it's college football. We're going over the college football ranking playoffs. We're going over Michigan, Michigan State last week and just a little victory lap there, and then we're covering some games this week. Um, so it's a quick one. We're glad for your support. Thank you so much for tuning in each and every week. Hopefully, we're able to win some money this week, and let's go. And welcome to Trophy Kids presented by Bad News Media. It is November I almost said sixth. Fifth, we are back with a college episode. Tim is once again not here. He's got other priorities. He just he doesn't like us apparently anymore. He's not here nah. to take his victory lap for Michigan State, but instead we have Dante here to do just that. How are we doing today, good sir? Doing well, doing well. Thinking about Purdue. I know uh, we have a lot to talk about with Michigan and Michigan State. We'll stay on it for a little bit, but I'm thinking about Purdue. Keep chopping. Yeah, we don't want to stay too far in the past, but I, I think it's worth. We spent so much time covering that game. We were dead right on the number and, and pretty much our breakdown for the most part. But I will chop it to you as to give you the floor as the resident Michigan State fan to talk about whatever you'd like uh, since everybody else has gotten their opinion out about how that game went and, and the end result there. Of course. Um, for me, watching that game, it was uh, it was emotional. I had a lot of highs and lows. <laughs> Um, but I never really lost faith while watching that game. I even knew I was going, I had said to myself that even if we lose a close game, I was going to be proud of that team because they weren't supposed to be here from people saying we wouldn't win even four or five games to being ranked number three and the first college football playoff projections. That is the, the season has nowhere to go, but up, um, Here's the the things I do want to address, Nate. Right? I have the a feeling I know where this is going with this. <laughs> that some people who are fans of other another school um, have pointed out. <clears throat> Those calls may or may not have happened. Right? They may or may not. The rest may or may not have gotten one or two calls wrong. I will go ahead and say there were plenty of holding calls on Michigan's O-line uh, that yeah. did not get called <laughs> at all. Um, but I won't dwell there. What I will dwell on is you had a 16-point lead. Yep. You gave up two two-point conversions. You settled for a field goal when you shouldn't have. You got a silly false start, and you inserted your freshman quarterback not once, but twice. One time you had to insert him because your quarterback was um Cade was being treated by uh med staff yeah. so that's fine uh, but you did not need to insert him the first time Cade threw for almost 400 yards oh he was great against I the thought. secondary like still had some issues like there was the, I think it was early in the game I can't remember exactly where he missed the guy in the end zone on a decently deeper pass and I was like oh there's the Cade you know but overall I thought he was very good um, in that yeah game. he adjusted Michigan State said okay if you're gonna beat us you gotta beat us through the air and he adjusted I think if anybody uh Cade definitely deserves his flowers for that game yes. uh he did throw away the game at the end with that yep. insane one-handed interception <laughs> yeah not a window he can generally fit that ball through no, well, you know, he was thrown into the big tight end. He thought he, he thought he had it. Mm -hmm. He thought even if the tight end got hit, he would um, still make the catch. Also, um, Chuck there abandoned his assignment to make that yeah. interception. So if K would have went, you know, uh, went one more progression, that probably was somebody who 
got you quite a bit, you know, way down the field. Um, I'm not gonna go too much because I don't want to. Like we beat Michigan, where we MSU was better. Uh, Harbaugh now has a losing record against Michigan State and his rivals. He has a atrocious record against yep. top ten opponents. Um, and I think I think you have said it a lot here that it's not that Harbaugh is a bad coach; it's that he's unwilling to adapt. Yep, that's the take. And you saw that in that game. Instead of calling the timeout when you got when it was up tempo, right, and you got a penalty on too many men on field, not once but twice. Mm-hmm. That's just stubbornness. That's not you. Yep. Your boys were gassed, and uh, Kenneth Walker, who I'll be remiss if I don't mention here, who put Michigan State on his back, literally. Yep. For five touchdowns and beat the University of Michigan. I hesitate to call him a Wolverine Slayer, so I'll stop <laughs> just right, right there. But he ran for five touchdowns, and your your team never adjusted. Also, while the MSU secondary played poorly during that game, the interior played excellent. They did not let that run game get the best of them. Yeah, I'd agree. So hats off to Michigan State. Again, we're on to Purdue, which could be a letdown game. I still think Michigan State wins this. Not easily, but I think they they win this. We'll talk a little bit. We'll talk about it a little more a little later. Yeah, I agree. I agree with all those points. I think that uh, I tweeted after that game, you know, evolve or die, and Michigan is choosing to die. Jim Harbaugh is not doing what he needs to do as the head coach of the Michigan Wolverines. And that's just his record is atrocious against his rival. His record is atrocious against ranked teams. His record is atrocious in any game that matters anywhere on the United States. Um, And when it comes down to that game, you know, we saw him handicap his quarterback, who's playing great, and really kind of shake his... um, confidence there by pulling him in a very key spot when he was playing terrific football I thought Um, we saw that reliance on the run game you know sort of come back to bite him in the butt a little bit Um, when that is your philosophy yeah literally (laughs) Um, (laughs) and then we saw a Michigan defense that you know this team is just it's the same thing year in and year out like I think about that team uh, with Chase Winovich, that year that they were going to be different, and I bought into the hype then, and they got absolutely smoked by Ohio State. And there have been some that differences. the revenge season? Yeah, and I, I want to give yeah. credit on the defensive side where they have made some adjustments. They don't play as much, man. They don't blitz as much in the past. But it's still, you know, you turn on that Michigan game, it still looks like the same product generally, um, unless you're looking close enough. And Harbaugh's just bad in these situations. To the penalty point, because I hear – excuse after excuse i follow a lot of michigan state people and people from the greater michigan area so a lot of your media ends up on my feed um we need to stop with this shin not down shin down fumble (laughs) nonsense that happened with three minutes left in the first half you then went into the second half and got outscored 23 to 10 you got your ass whooped in this second half of football. We're not talking about a call that happened in the final two minutes of the game. We're not talking about a call that is literally game-changing. You had plenty of opportunities, to whether you think that was a bad call or not. I 100% think he was down, but I can. if you wanted to make that argument, sure. It was a bad yeah, call. The whatever. argument is there to be made. Get over it. You have an entire half of football to be played, and you did nothing. You squandered your opportunity. Kenneth Walker... 
owned your ass that game. Just blew you up out of the water. So, like, this idea that it was bad play or bad calls that lost that game. No, it was bad coaching, bad execution, and a defense that quite honestly got bullied when they shouldn't have been bullied as the number two defense, as everybody wants to remind you. Now, that's not to say Michigan isn't, like, a good football team. It's just, like, you lost that game. It wasn't because of one call. You lost the game. You refused to evolve. And quite honestly, hardball, it's not getting any better. So this is what you got with him. It's it's weird because you saw Indiana and a bit of Rutgers – uh, show you how to stop Kenneth Walker. Yeah. And you you know that Michigan has the personnel personnel to do it. And instead you were still running like I'm gonna say it was cover two, but I don't really know if it was cover two. Whatever it was, it wasn't protecting the interior and he was bouncing and even if he didn't go through the interior, he was bouncing out to the you know left or right side and straight to the end zone. Yeah. So end zone. So after you have to make an adjustment, you know we're going to feed him. Yeah, I mean, so we got our answer. Like the pass defense yeah. is good for Michigan. Outside of Hutchinson on the defensive line, there isn't much up front to stop, and that's going to be a concern against Ohio State. I mean, it'll play a little bit more to their strengths. I'm not saying Michigan season, you know, it's technically not over, but no. the product at this point in the season is not where it needs to be to be different. And that's what we've been saying all along. It's a good football team. There is talent on this football team. It is quite capable of winning games like this. But when it comes to execution and coaching, it's just not there. It's not different this year. It, it just isn't. Um, and that's a hard pill to swallow, but that's what it is. It's the same product year in and year out. And this is the same result. You, <laughs> let me ask you as a uh, neutral fan, when you were watching that game and you saw MSU go for the second two-point conversion, yeah. Were you thinking, well, what were you thinking? Were you thinking like, oh, no, they should just take the safe points? Or were you thinking, no, no they automat- They have to go for two right here? Uh, see, I'm going to go for two in that moment kind of guy. I liked that aggression, especially in a rival game, especially in a game like this, in kind of the the style of the game. I 100% agree with that call, and I, I would have gone for it. I in was, my the first The first go for two, I was all for it. But then we went for two again to tie it up. I was like, uh, should we? But that's why I don't coach. So yeah. see, I I go for it in that that scenario. Um, I also liked that that f- uh fourth down call, uh that Thorne threw that pass over the top shoulder to re. That was the best play of the game. So nervous for that play going it, up on it. <laughs> Me and like, but we were at Denver. It was a play for, that had to happen. Oh, a hundred percent had to happen. Uh, he had to make that play. Hundred percent. But it was so funny because we were in Denver at a sports book, and every one of me, my buddies, and I all had money on the game. And you should have seen, and half the room had money on that game. That play, you could have heard a pin drop before that pass was thrown. It was dead silence. Everybody on the edge of their seat. Awesome. I loved that game. That was also, by the way, one of the most watched games, I think, in Fox history. It did over like I 9 million views. I think it was the views. most watched game yeah. this year, right? Yeah. So, huge game. Should have been the night game. Not that the night game disappointed, but uh, yeah, big, big time. Speaking of that night game, not disappointing. This is why you listen to this podcast. I told everyone that it, game would not be a blowout. I told. I should have listened to you. I mean, I did also tease the game down, but yeah, no, you were you were right on that one. Got to like, give credit mm, to you. <laughs> yeah, I was like, Ohio State is good. They're gonna win, but Vegas is predicting a blowout. I don't think so. <laughs> yep, I agree. I mean, well, I agree now. Um, at the time, yeah. I, I was not on your side on that one. But this is why you you come to this podcast. We, you That's know, why. I was super on. We were super on it with Michigan State. And then we, we were super on it with Ohio State. You get a good take here and there. 
Um, but let's move on. Let's move on to this week, the storyline of this week and the games of this week because we can't yes. keep too much in the past. The storyline of the week. You know, the world is set on fire because the playoff – College playoff committee woke up on Tuesday and chose violence. There are people Absolute in this world violence. that just like to watch it burn, and every one of them sits on the college football committee. The rankings came out. I will say, surprised that Michigan State made it third. I did not think they were going to give them that much credit. I thought they'd probably, you know, be probably fourth, uh, maybe on yeah. the outside looking in, but they did put them at third. This is just, I wish I was more shocked. It's more just angry that, of like, I'm not as surprised in that this is the result they give us because it is just mm-hmm. blatantly ridiculous. This is not a playoff. This is not a process to find out who the best is. This is an invitation of who's going to make us the most money, and it's demonstrated throughout the, the board. Um, and it's just ridiculous at this point in time. It is the yeah. first week. There are still, you know, we'll talk about it. You know, there's ways for Cincinnati to still get in. Everything I've been saying since the beginning of the season, because I've been saying UC is going to make it as long as they go undefeated, that pathway is still open. But it's just ridiculous what they're doing on the back end here. Yeah. Um, yeah, they should change this to the college football invitational and just stop stop with the pageantry. Like if you call it the invitational, it's fine. We people will still watch it, but calling it a playoff is not fair when you're telling me that a one loss Bama is the second best school in the nation. Um, and here's why I don't buy that criteria. Because you felt the need to rank both Minnesota and Iowa that it is. and Wisconsin. So to me, you're telling you're telling me this ranking right here tells me that the Big Ten is a harder slog than what Alabama has played up until this point. Well, it's not even that. It's building the case against Cincinnati. It's blatant that they're yeah. Minnesota is not even in sniffing distance of the top twenty-five. They completely threw out, in both the AP and Coaches poll, I believe, you have SMU and Houston both ranked in those polls. They are not even close in this one, and it's taking away the opportunity of UC. You're bolstering the Big Ten in in just an egregious way. Minnesota is not a top 25 team, all right? Let's get that very clear. They are not a top 25 team, and they're ranked in the top 25. It's ridiculous. And the argument, too— that UC hasn't played anybody because I lo- people are saying that. One, you know, based on the rankings, that is the case they're trying to build. But there's only right. three teams in the top ten that have top ten wins right now. That is Michigan State, that is Oregon, and that is UC. Because Notre Dame, in their opinion, is a top ten team, which Mich- or UC went on the road to beat them. You also have Wake Forest at nine. Who the hell has Wake Forest played? Like, what are we doing here? I don't I don't know. Cincinnati, you're telling us that Alabama losses don't matter. You're telling yep. us that Oregon and Ohio State have played tougher schedules than Cincinnati. But again, to your point, who have they played? Oregon lost to Stanford. Oregon has a worse strength of schedule than UC right now. <laughs> Just to put that out there. So, yeah. So does Oklahoma. Biggest... Oklahoma and Oregon both have worse strength of schedules than UC currently. When we were talking about it, like during the Twitter discourse, when Oklahoma came ranked below Michigan, at first I was like, oh man, that's surprising, that's surprising. But then I went back and looked at Oklahoma's, not only how they've won, but who they who they have played. And I was yeah. like, oh no, Michigan has played <laughs> yeah. better opponents. Now, yeah. <laughs> now they will get, to Oklahoma's credit, the back end of their schedule is a bit it's of a, a doozy. Yes. Yeah, so they've got a bye. They're going to come off a bye, and then they got Baylor, 
which is way better than expected. They've got Iowa State, which is a, a tough out. It's not like an easy team by any stretch of the imagination. Then they got Oklahoma State. So that's their last three games of the schedule. And then they got the conference championship. So they will play some people. But yeah, yeah. to this point, it's like, what are we talking about? They almost lost two Kansas. <laughs> 15 teams they have to play at the end of the year. Yeah. Like very good teams in their own right. So they they will yeah. they will build their their credibility, which I don't have a problem with them at eight necessarily, but I do have a problem with us just putting UC at six. Now, as I said, UC's path is still the same as it was before this. That's why I'm not getting so like crazy. I'm more crazy at the back end where they put um, Minnesota at twenty, which is just absurd, and it's it shows the clear bias of this committee and just wanting to basically build the argument against UC in any like non Power Five conference. But the argument's still the same, you know. For UC to get in, there was going to have to be chaos, which I always said there was going to be. Teams are not. You can't tell me they're outside of Georgia. There's a stable team there. No. Like every one of these teams has flaws. So Alabama, and if they don't win out, they should be out. Oregon, it isn't a sure thing that they're going to win the Pac-12. They're not a very like they're they're going to win their game this week, and I'm going to be betting on them this week. But like they're not a sure thing there. Um, and then the Big Ten's got to still sort itself out. Like I believe Ohio yeah. State's going to smoke everybody, but that might not happen. So the way I view this, SEC is going to get their champion. That should be Georgia. You hope that it's Georgia. Big Ten will get their champion in. So that's one, that's two slots. The other two are going to be open, I think, at the end of the year. So UC still has a shot here. Their path is still the same. But it's just blatant how the committee is screwing them over. Yeah, but I think UC has issues with people who are behind them, right? So, yeah. well, one, <laughs> talk about Cincinnati isn't even the best school in Ohio, according to the CFP. <laughs> but um, with Oklahoma having the two games that you just mentioned on their schedule and Michigan potentially being able to beat Ohio State and win out and then go to the Big Ten Championship and win there. Plus, if the committee gets real... No, I think our Wake Forest, if Wake Forest wins out, I don't know what the committee would do, but if Wake Forest wins out, these things go against Cincinnati. I think they purposely place Cincinnati at six because... Because there are things that can happen. There are teams who can come for them behind, and then there are uh, obviously the teams ranked above them have a chance to win. This also further proves that if you're outside of the Power Five, the college football playoff doesn't um, care about you. This also, though, lends to the maybe we should be doing the 18 playoff and then we wouldn't be having this conversation. Uh, yeah. The other thing, too, is poor. They, Poor University of Texas, San Antonio. They yep. should have been ranked 25, right? A hundred percent. They're undefeated. Yeah. I don't They're care undefeated. what division level yeah. football you play. It is damn near impossible to go undefeated. The fact that we have Minnesota, once again, comes back to Minnesota in the top 25, but we don't have them in there, is ridiculous. Also, Houston and SMU are both ranked in the top 25 in coaches and AP. Eight, or coaches has them at 19, Houston, um, SMU's at 23, 24. So, like, UC will have a chance here. They play SMU at the end of their season. That's a top 25 as long as they don't lose or drop a game here all of a sudden. And then you'll probably have Houston in the conference championship. So there's there's availability or opportunity there to get some more quality wins. But, yeah, it is, it's a disaster. Now, it's only the first iteration, but we know the committee. I'm not totally shocked by the rankings. It's just infuriating when you see – see what they're doing on the back end to not help a very strong case in a UC team who has a top tier quarterback, two defensive players that are probably going to be first rounders and a head coach that is literally 
spoken about for every opening from here until he leaves the University of Cincinnati. Like, it's just, it's ridiculous in my opinion. But, like you said, 18 playoffs. I don't think we should go to 12. I don't hate it. I saw some of the no, mock-ups. It looks cool. Is too, it is too football much. Football is too dangerous of a sport for 12. And it's also, <laughs> you know, outside the top eight, there's a, I mean, there's a stop, steep drop-off, I think, outside of the top two. But, like, there's a really steep drop-off. Well, I think there's a steep drop-off outside of one. I think, I think two through 10, honestly, could be shuffled. I don't disagree. I, I don't completely disagree with that. Um, But I do like the eight. We want to – sports at the end of the day should be fi- figuring out who the best team is. And the process right now is not designed to figure out who the best team is. And I'm not saying that almost every year the top team isn't going to win the national championship or the top two teams that are ranked going into it aren't going to win the national championship in football. But there are those years. We've all been watching sports long enough. It happens in the NFL. It happens in baseball, basketball, every single sport ever played where there are Cinderella stories, there are teams that did a really, where the stars just aligned, and they got a really good coach, they got a really good recruiting, two back-to-back recruiting classes, they did a really great job of developing talent, and they get a game or two. And that's the stuff I want to see, and I want to see those opportunities awarded to them. And the schedule thing is nonsense, too, because we we all know college football schedules are made years and years in advance. So to also ask for that to align perfectly is ridiculous. UC did their job. They scheduled Indiana and Notre Dame away. It's not their fault Indiana stinks this year. Like, they're doing what they're doing. <laughs> and Notre Dame has only dropped one game against Cincinnati. Yeah. So And the committee views them as the 10th best team in the country right now. So yeah. <laughs> it's a pretty good win. Like I said, only three teams right now, Michigan State, Oregon, and UC, have top 10 wins based on the committee's rankings. Yeah. Interesting. Um, all righty. I don't know if you have anything else on that before we, we move no, on. No, no, no. We'll see what week two. I mean, survive, advance, you know, survive in advance, right? Exactly. This may all not matter because UC could drop a game. I don't think they will. Yeah. I've been very vocal that they're going to make the playoffs this year. I'm very, like, on that train. Um, but, you know, this could be all for nothing. Um, and I'm not I'm not totally surprised. I think if you're surprised yeah. by these rankings, you haven't been paying attention. I'm, I'm more angry at what the committee is doing, the blatantness of trying to bolster up the Big Ten with the back end of these rankings and in, in trying to make the argument against schools like you see who does have competitive teams in their division right now. Um, but all right, let's talk some football games. Let's talk about your Michigan State versus Purdue this weekend because this is yeah. this is a spot that most people would say this could be a trap game. This is a game where you come off high emotions. You had a huge comeback last week. You've got a Purdue team. That can be dangerous as we've seen the lines at two and a half Michigan State is favored over under 52 and a half where are you at going into this game this is uh we play Purdue close even when uh, Michigan State is dominant has been dominant um I think we beat them but I think we've only blown them out like once or twice in the, in recent history so I think if you go into this game thinking that um, Michigan State has better personnel or Michigan State is still riding that high um, know that if Michigan State was the number one team in the country, they would still play Purdue close. <laughs> yep. uh, Purdue also has a history, li- a literal history of knocking off top 10 opponents. That's yep. just what they do. At um, home, too. <laughs> at home, yeah. yeah. That, and they've already done it once this year. Yep. Um, they, they're good for doing it. You know, once every couple of years, they'll knock someone off. Um, I don't, I think the, the, I think the chance of a letdown game here 
would be too poetic. I don't hate that. In a sense. Um, I think that Michigan State wins this game. I think it's a very, very close game, but I think Michigan State wins this game. Um, and they might win and cover too. You might be surprised if they cover. I think um I think that the the problem here is go back and look at that Purdue Notre Dame game and look at the running there. Yeah. And if Kenneth Walker is fresh, you know, if he has fresh legs uh after running five touchdowns last week. Um, I think that spell is disaster for Purdue. Yeah, I agree. I, hell, you don't even have to look that far. You can look back to this Wisconsin game, and you just see missed tackles left and right in that game. Now, Purdue has some ability to create some havoc up front, um, which okay. is a little concerning. There is that idea that, you know, I mean, this, the strategy is simple if you're Purdue. It's you go full out balls to the walls. We're going to stop Kenneth Walker, and we're going to make yep. Thorne beat us through the air, down a wide receiver, it looks like. Um, yep. And to be honest, Thorne is really good off play action. Who wouldn't be when you have the most dangerous Can't back walk. in the country? <laughs> but if you're stopping him up front and you don't have to respect that play action as much, Thorne becomes a much more kind of middle-of-the-line quarterback, if not lower than that, when he can't play off play action. So that's the formula. Offensively, too, the, the formula is essentially, you know— Michigan State secondary got beat in the back end last week a little bit there, but that was clearly a sign to me at least of selling out to stop the run and that two-headed monster that is the mm-hmm. Michigan running back core, which, you know, we beat up on Michigan, but their running back core is one of the top-tier units. Yeah, and that offense line is solid, so, like, that's the game plan there. It's You're basically doing the you're basically doing the same. If you're Purdue, you're taking Michigan State's game plan for the Michigan game and just applying it to Michigan State. Um, I, because the number's under a field goal, I do like Michigan here. If you're seeing three, three and a half, I think you'd maybe roll it with Purdue. But your risk there is offensively, I don't know if they have enough to really challenge Michigan State at this point in the season. But the question... They have the firepower, but can they actually score? Yeah, the, and yeah. they're not as dangerous to make them respect the run as much and things like that. The biggest point I think that you hit on is how fresh will Kenneth Walker be? Um, yeah. Because that is a physical game. You know, he obviously had some some outbursts there. We all saw it. Um, but how fresh will he be and how much can they effectively stop him? Because Purdue has shown when they can tackle, they're a good unit. And defensively, defensive line, they can create havoc. But you watch that Wisconsin game. You watch that Notre Dame game. You know, there's some tackling issues with that uh, Purdue team. Um. All right. I got another game here for you. Wake Forest, North Carolina. Number nine team in the country is currently an underdog in this game. Plus two and a half is the line over under 77 and a half. What are your feels on this game? I love it. I love that Wake Forest is coming in as an underdog. Mm -hmm. I love that Wake Forest is is ranked, you know, um, in the CFP. Um, if I wasn't a Michigan State fan, I would be a Wake Forest fan right now. Uh, this screen, this team just screams like underdog to me. I think Wake Forest goes in here and wins an upset. And I don't think, honestly, and this is my hot pick, my hot take. I don't think it's a close game. I think it's, I think it's, I think Wake Forest wins by at least a touchdown. Yeah, I. I this game was giving me a little fits. I haven't made an official pick, but my gut is telling me Wake Forest, so I'm, I'm probably going to head that direction. I mean, this is a very potent offense right now. They're 10th in the nation yards per play on offense. It's 6.8 yards per play. They're 
averaging about 495 yards per game. Um, they're a, a potent offense. I want to believe in UNC, but it's just the, that year they're having issues there where replacing the amount of talent they've had to replace is way more challenging than I think most people thought going into the season because they had Sam Howell and they had a guy that many put as one of the top-tier quarterbacks who at this point, I might argue, should probably stay back a year um, and yeah. not head to the draft this year. Um, so this is a team that is... They're struggling, um, and Wake Forest is playing for a lot in front of them. I don't hate Wake Forest in this game. I haven't. I'm not ready to make an official pick. The overs also, even though at 77 and a half, is looking interesting because I do think there will be some points in this game to be scored. These defenses, you know, Wake Forest is 77th in yards per play allowed on defense. Um, these defenses are not exactly, and you know, North Carolina isn't that far behind at 91st. So. There's some opportunities here for some offense. I think it'll be a fun game to watch, uh, but I haven't picked a side just yet, but my gut is leaning Wake Forest, so look for that to be on the card potentially later uh, this yeah, week. 77 and a half for the over, under. Yeah. That's it's going to be a shootout. Yeah. Sam. Uh, it's going to be awesome. Sam's. The Sam's versus Sam. Versus Sam. Yes. Um, we'll, we'll see. Another um, game that – oh, I'm sorry. I didn't – if you had something else. No, no. Say. I just – you know. I think Wake Forest wins this game. That's just my that's my gut. I agree. Um, Auburn, Texas A&M. This game is interesting to me. It's at four and a half as the line. Over under is 49 and a half. Texas A&M is the favorite. Jimbo is coaching his ass off right now because yes. he had a quarterback when he came in that looked like he was auditioning for a part in Happy Feet. Uh, when he came into that Colorado game, it has been really bad since. And then about the uh, Mississippi State game, we saw a difference, and that offense started to make some plays. Quarterback got a little bit more comfortable. We saw it in the Alabama game, obviously. That offense is now rolling a little bit. It's not obviously where the, you'd want them to be and where they'd be if King hadn't gotten hurt, but it now has the opportunity to make some plays and make some threats, and the defense is still very good. I don't see – I'm going to watch this number because I hope this goes down to a field goal. We'll see. I, I don't know if it'll move. But this game, I just don't think Auburn has the, the players to stay in this one. Um, I'm honestly surprised it's sort of this close. Um, I'm I'm a big fan right now of where Texas A&M is at this spot and where Auburn, the program, is right now. I just I just don't. And Texas A&M is coming off a bye, which I think is is very important. Yeah, the only thing that gives me hope here against Auburn is or for Auburn here is that they seem to have found what works. That is not untrue. Bo Nix, too, by the way, is playing his mm -hmm. best football I think I've ever seen him play consistently, consistently. Yeah, and they've they, they've played in tough road environments a few times now, um, and Bo has stepped up even as much as we've maligned him on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. He has a time. Uh, he has stepped up in size. I think I agree with you that Auburn. Auburn doesn't have enough personnel to win this game convincingly. Uh, but I think something, this is not scientific at all. I think something wacky happens in this game. The Jimbo Fisher, Fisher energy will affect <laughs> this game, and it may not affect it in a way that's um, positive for Jimbo and the Aggies here. Um, I, I, I think I go, I think I go with Auburn. Auburn on this game. Uh, at four and a half, I, I would definitely consider it. That's why I'm going to wait to see where this number's at. It, it, yeah. 
I am much more not, indecisive. Not to win, to, to, to yeah, yeah, to cover. Yeah, I am much cover. more indecisive yes. at four and a half right now. If this number was three, I'd be taking Texas A&M. At four and a half, I want to do a little bit more digging. I owe it to the audience, so you need to watch out for the card. We had a winning card last week. Um, we're putting together winning cards now here slowly here in college football. But, uh, yeah. That's you know what happened know. last week, though? You know, you and I, we talked to it. There was no Tim to distract us. <laughs> exactly. You know, that's what it was. None of his Maryland is good takes <laughs> yeah, muddling my Maryland, brain. <laughs> it just tanks everything. Yeah. The energy tanks everything. <laughs> we were able to clearly think through this. Um, last game before we wrap this up, this is going to be a quick podcast. I just want to get your thoughts. Do you think it is possible for LSU in the Alabama-LSU game to cover an atrociously big number at 29.5 over under 66.5? I don't know if you could have. There is zero, zero, zero way two years ago anybody, you could have told anybody that LSU would be a 29.5 point underdog against Alabama in two years. This program has fallen. I do like Ed Ogeron. I think he did a good job for what he was meant to do, and that is recruit. He didn't do a great job of hiring coordinators after they all left after that national championship, obviously. But do you think they can cover this number at all? 28 and a half is such a big number. 29 where and a half I, at FanDuel. You might sorry, be getting 28 some other places. Half. So line shot. Yeah. Uh, yeah, go to the line. Yeah, because what I'm looking at is 28 and a half. Uh, but that's nearly 30 points. I think after a while, players are like, get me off the field. Also, we've seen two games now. Uh, that Clemson game and that uh, the Kentucky Georgia game where yep. at the last moment they put in two garbage time Kentucky either Georgia a field goal it. or touchdown <laughs> <laughs> and Clemson okay whoo yeah glad <laughs> I didn't bet right. that game but the Kentucky Georgia one killed me uh-huh. the Kentucky Georgia one murdered my parlay <laughs> I called everything literally everything and then uh, yeah. don't, let's not talk about it. That's what I think may happen in this LSU-Bama game, which won't let you to cover nearly 30 points. Yeah, it's a bit of, you know, we talk about the Bo Nix roller coaster. The Max Johnson roller coaster is a little crazy, too, because there are games where that offense hums a little bit, and there are games where they look like they've never played organized football in their life. Um, it's It can be a bad situation. I'm with you. At 29 and a half, it is hard for me to be holding a ticket that big. Even in college football with a rivalry game like this, where it's Coach O's kind of, See you later. Last chance to beat Alabama. Now they're not going to beat them. In in zero no. zero worlds are they winning this game. <laughs> no. But a junk play at the end. Players playing to the end of the whistle here against an Alabama team that has shown some weaknesses on the offensive line. Has shown some weaknesses in the secondary, giving up chunk plays. Now they're coming off a bye, so I would assume they're going to be a little bit more crisp on that. But there's that's not fixed in a week in a bye. Like the, the problems they're having in their back end and their secondary are not fixable in just one week. It'll be better, but it, those chunk plays will still be there. Those opportunities will still be there. So yeah, at 29 and a half, I have a hard time. I'll, I'll probably stay away from the game, but I have a hard time holding an Alabama ticket when I know this is Ed Ogeron's last hurrah. His players absolutely love him. Um, and this is a rivalry game where players are going to play to the end of the whistle for LSU, I think. And, yeah, backdoor cover is well, well, well in the possibility here. Yeah, especially in the SEC. Yes. Um, the, um, the other thing that comes to mind is that um, this game can still be a blowout and not be a 30-point blowout. Yeah, it could be a three-score so, blowout, and it's still LSU is still covering. <laughs> yeah, Hell, it could so, be 24 points. They're still covering. Right, it could be a 24-point <laughs> blowout and you could have still cover. Three That's touchdowns and a field like, goal. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and then they still, because 
you know, again, you don't want to run your players in the ground if you're Nick Saban. Correct. That's another part. While, yes, you want to be putting up Nick Saban loves Style points. Nick Saban loves more than any other coach. Well, I shouldn't say any other coach, but I can't think of any at this moment. When they're up big, putting in young players. That's one of the reasons Alabama is able to transition year in and year out is because those back-end guys, backup linemen, back-end wide receivers, backup linebackers, backup safeties, they get playing experience the year prior to them becoming starters because Alabama is up so big in some games. Nick Saban loves getting those guys in to give them experience, to give them real game live snaps because he knows the next year they're going to be counting on them, and that experience is invaluable. Why risk injury? in a very injury-prone sport and not get these guys experience. So that is something also to factor in with this. Yeah. I, I don't know. Nearly 30 points is too many. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Um, now we're going to come back next week like, can you believe they put up 60 on them? <laughs> <laughs> they won 60 nothing. Um, all righty. Uh, I think that's – those are all the games I really had. There's a couple games on the card. We wanted to make this a quick one, just get something out here for you. Do you have anything else before we uh, wrap this up? No. Uh, go green. I like it. Look out for the card at Trophy Kids Pod and us on Instagram and Twitter. Um, and we'll see how this week plays. As always, peace. Peace. peace.